2: Getting around northeastern Connecticut if you don't have a car can be difficult. We find out the results of a recent transport hackathon and what solutions might be on the horizon to change this. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East this week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. It's been said the car is king in the US, and if you don't have one or access to one, getting around can be difficult, especially if you live in a more rural area that doesn't have buses or taxis or, in these modern times, ride-sharing services. And that's just the problem that northeastern Connecticut has. With its rural communities and smaller cities, there are no train services running in this part of the state. And even though there are bus, taxi and ride-sharing services available, they run in limited areas and at certain times, leaving many people who work shifts, need to get to doctors or hospital appointments, or just do the weekly shopping having to wait hours for travel services that have limited routes and shut down at certain times, leaving people no option but to walk home in the dark. Recently, a collaboration of local nonprofits and other agencies came together to create HackCT, a hackathon event to encourage people and other businesses and organizations to come together and discuss the region's transport issues and see if they can find solutions. Joining me on the podcast are the three main organizations that organize the HackCT event. Joining me from three agencies here in Northeastern Connecticut is Kathleen Kreider from Access Agency, Kristen Hempel from Eastcon, and Alison Hennigan from Generations Family. Health Centers to the three of you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Before we get into the main meat, as it were, of the topic about this hack CT and the transportation hackathon, perhaps I can just quickly ask all of you to do maybe a quick elevator pitch so people understand, you know, who you are as an agency and what it is you do. Perhaps Kathleen Kreider, you can kick us off.
1: Thank you, Brian. I'd be happy to. My name is Kathleen Kreider. I am the Senior Director of Community Engagement and Resource Management at Access Community
2: Action Agency.
1: And we are the federally funded anti-poverty organization that provide services to low income individuals, families and the communities in the 28 towns that are both
2: Windham and Tolland County. And Kristen, tell us about EastCon.
3: Absolutely. So EastCon is your local RESC, your regional education service centre. So we provide a wide variety of supports, both for school districts, including things like the magnet schools, transportation, Head Start, Birth to Three. My personal area of focus is on, on adult and community programs. And so we provide educational support for learners who are here to learn English or complete high school, as well as support with employment services.
0: Hi, I'm Allison Hennigan, the Director of Communications and Development at Generations Family Health Center. Generations is a nonprofit, federally funded health center. We provide services in Eastern Connecticut. We provide medical, dental, behavioral health, and support services to a little bit over 18,000 patients a year.
2: To the three of you again, thank you for being on the podcast and now we're going to get into the main thrust of what we're talking about today, transportation and issues about transportation. These have been long term here, obviously, in Northeastern Connecticut, but between the three of you and other organisations, you had a thing called a hackathon recently. Kristen, explain to us what is a hackathon and why was this method chosen?
3: Well, to be honest, we'd been uh, trying to crack the nut of transportation in northeastern Connecticut for a number of years and had tried a lot of approaches. Still, we're scratching our heads a a little bit here. And then we we learned about this hackathon approach. And and that's an opportunity for people from diverse backgrounds with various skill sets and perspectives to come together to creatively address an issue. In a hackathon, the participants turn the issue over on its side and upside down. And they look at it from the inside out, applying all different kinds of lenses to the topic in order to bring to bear expertise and fresh eyes for the local professionals who've been tirelessly working on the issue for years. So for our case, it was a chance to pull together the various data points that we already had about transportation in the Northeast corner, what services are available, what the gaps are, successes and failures. And then with a group of stakeholders, local users and providers, local nonprofits and employers, as well as experts, national transportation gurus, and then as they self-identify, data nerds, computer geeks, designers to talk about the evolving transportation needs of our community and then apply these new ways of thinking and problem solving and technology to propose opportunities to meet those needs and hopefully create a new transportation landscape in our community.
2: And correct me, please, here if I'm wrong, but it's like hackathon sort of started on the West Coast sort of California. And so sort of like really were the so like pushed a bit by the by the tech industry. But, you know, obviously, it's, it's something that isn't just used by them, because clearly you've used it.
3: Yeah, they, they talk about themselves as hackers for good. You know, I think that the term hack has gotten a bad reputation in terms of people trying to take things apart. But in this case, it's really about taking apart in order to build something even better. And I was just so impressed with the, the passion to help other people that was in the room.
2: Alison, tell us, what was the goal of the event? I know we've mentioned transportation, but I'm sure there's there's much more to it. Just give us a little bit of a flavour of that, if you would.
0: To emphasise what Kristen said, we were trying to bring together local partners and techies to help solve the transportation problems that we've all been talking about for years that affect all of our clients, getting to work, getting to school, getting to healthcare appointments, getting to other social service agency appointments. We've been talking about that for God knows how many years now. So this is a way for us to look for a creative and strategic group to come together and think outside the box and come up with solutions to this problem that we're all talking about.
2: Now, tell us if you would, Alison, I mean, this happened, you you had like a pre-hackathon event a little while ago, and then the hackathon weekend has only just happened, hasn't it? I think it was the 15th, 16th and 17th of September. So can you explain some of the organizations and people that were involved in that?
0: Yes, actually, this whole process began back in 2017 when Generations Family Health Center went after a grant with our partners from the Nonprofit Alliance of Northeast Connecticut, which Kristen and Kathleen's agencies are a part of. And we were thinking small scale. We were wanting to just bring locals in and talk about the issue. Kathleen had heard about what a hackathon was from one of her coworkers, and we jumped on that, wrote this grant. We did focus groups back in 2018-19 and then we were supposed to have a small-scale hackathon in March of 2020 and we all know what happened in March of 2020 so we postponed it. That original hackathon was uh, funded by the Connecticut Office of Rural Health and they allowed us to extend it after the pandemic of emergency was over. And that's when we decided to hold a hackathon summit. And that was back in April of this year. And we brought together all of the local folks, the transportation experts, some funders, some legislators, and we talked about what the issue was. We laid out all the data we had and we tried to get everybody educated on what a hackathon, a full hackathon would be and get them engaged to participate in the hackathon that was held this past weekend. And I want to emphasize that it was held this past weekend because the 19th was National Hackathon Day. So we wanted to kick off our event and have it occur so that we could announce the results on the 19th.
2: Just before I move on to to Chris and with the next question, Alison, you mentioned about obviously you you got grant funding. Was this like federal or or state grant? Can you just give us a little bit of of detail about that? Because, of course, these things cost even just to do these types of things.
0: Sure. It was federal dollars that come through the State Office of Rural Health um, and that funded our original focus groups and Hackathon Summit. And then we were lucky enough to talk to the Connecticut project another funder that was interested in hackathons and and helping us solve this problem. And they connected us with a consultant that had done hackathons all over the world. So we connected with her and then the Connecticut Project said they would fund a full hackathon for us. We're very thankful to the Connecticut Project for funding this and bringing hackathons to the state of Connecticut. And you did ask me about the audience that was there at the hackathon this weekend. We not only had nonprofit representatives, we also had local transit experts, legislators, funders, and then the techies that Kristen mentioned. And we had some pretty big names from the techie industry. All these folks are in it for the common good. So we had GitHub and we had actually the transportation planner for the next World Cup which is going to take place in 2026 in Kansas City. He came out and offered his expertise and acted as a mentor at our event. And then we had other data nerds and other folks that do hackathons all over the country on different topics.
2: It's a good cross-section of not only people, but expertise. And, you know, as you were saying, obviously local as well as national, which uh, clearly I'm sure was really beneficial. Kristen, getting back to you, you know, were there any surprises or aha moments that came up during obviously this event? that just happened? And if so, can you just talk us through some of those?
3: Absolutely. I I think one of the things that really hit me hard was just how many people outside of our quiet corner Really and truly care about our struggles, and they're willing to work all weekend. You know, they, they started at eight in the morning and they were still posting on Discord at 2 a.m. They really wanted to help us. And then some of these people included past residents from our area that had heard about this event through their different social media sources or blog posts, and they wanted to come home to help their communities. And that was really inspiring for me, both the people who didn't have a connection to us, but also the people that did and, and wanted. To come back and and make a difference in the home that it helped to, to launch them. The other thing that for me was impressive was I was maybe a little skeptical on what really technology could do for us. And I was floored at times about the, the possibility of how different platforms and different ways of using this technology, what the, what the people in the room could create to make transportation more accessible and responsive to our, our community members, no matter how high or low tech we live our lives. And then there was just the, the wide variety of approaches that people use. They, they were looking at safety mapping and gamification and collaboration networks and ways to build social capital, you know, that were based in these technology platforms, but also really understood the human component. And I think that was, you know, really important to a number of us in there, making sure that, you know, we can come up with great tech solutions, but it really has to be responsive and reflect our community culture here and, and the people in it. So, So just throughout the weekend, there was a vast sharing of resources, these larger national networks and pilots and funding sources. And everyone was just so unselfish and generous in in their knowledge and in the tools that they had. I really came out of it feeling deeply that this isn't that while this isn't something that we can resolve with just one approach, and that it is going to need a multi-pronged and systemic response. But we aren't in this alone. And we have partners locally and nationally who are going to keep working with and for us, and that there is really a path forward. We don't, we're not stuck here. We are, we're at the beginning of an incredible journey with some great partners.
2: And Kristen, if you can just explain to us as well, I mean, the actual event, as we said, it was a three-day event. Was it virtual? Was it physical? Or was it like a combination of both?
3: That's a great question. It was a combination. And so that was part of what was fascinating. I mean, it's always challenging to do a hybrid event, but we had people in person and pitching ideas and collaborating and you would see teams forming and then teams helping other teams out but they were also constantly in touch with people from around the US through these different platforms whether it was Discord or GitHub and they they'd say okay I need some help can can I throw this out there will anyone clean up my data set can someone help me with this or you know who can find some data on this to bring into to you know what the platform that I've just created or the app that I'm working on and everyone you know people out there in the the universe would jump in and say, "I got that. I'll get back to you in an hour," or, or you know, let's let's keep going back and forth. You know, just it really seemed like the some of the the boundaries that we we seem to feel between us and others they really weren't there. It was everybody sleeves rolled up working on it together.
2: Kathleen, you know, did the event meet its expectation of finding solutions to this problem of transportation? And and if so, you know, can you explain in in, in what ways?
1: Oh, uh, Brian, to speak about expectations, I think that much of what Kristen has just shared really addresses this concept of expectations, right? So if I think about the expectations that Kristen and Allison and I established back in 2017 for ourselves, for funding that we might go after for the nonprofit Alliance of Northeastern Connecticut and for what it means to solve the problem of transportation, Uh, I, I can't even attach that set of expectations to what happened this past weekend. And quite frankly, everything that's happened between 2017 and this weekend, there were so many aha moments and opportunities to create solutions to the problem that were absolutely outside of our expectations. I am a nonprofit administrator. I am not technologically savvy by choice. There was a different language spoken the entire weekend. I had no idea what GitHub was, and we had the CEO and the COO of this incredible open source platform in our midst. They were at EastCon this weekend. So So when we talk about expectations of the actual hackathon, I think that this was sort of mind blowing, to be quite frank. And then when I talk about the expectations of finding solutions to the problem, It's also somewhat mind-blowing. And so the answer simply is, is, yeah, there were some solutions. solutions. There were some really amazing solutions. There were six solutions that were attached to the six challenges that that we had created. And these six challenges, I'm gonna say, essentially fell into two categories. One of them being very technologically based, and then the the other being, my words, boots on the ground, local solutions. And four of them were app-based, technology-based, and two of them were boots-on-the-ground-based. The Uh, app-based solutions, while not not things that I immediately relate to, were actually super actionable. All four of them had components that could be pulled together into a single application that is wildly user-friendly, collects data, connects to dispatchers and transit professionals, is available to municipalities and funders so that we can talk about the landscape, no pun intended, of transportation in the Northeast region. We can talk about how transportation is utilized from a data-driven perspective, and we can connect riders, users, to transportation, both at large scale, so buses, trains, but also super, super local solutions which is the second group, the second expectation outcome solution outcome, which is the boots on the ground. So the last mile solution was one of our challenges and uh, we had uh, a runner up come in with real actionable last mile solutions that attaches back whether they knew it or not to the app based solutions that came out. So we are really looking forward to being able to dive into these two solutions that surface to the top and figure out what our next steps are.
2: Can you share any of that with us? Or is that so like a little bit top secret at the moment and something that obviously needs to be, you know, still, you know, talk through with uh, with whoever the the organizations are that will be involved in that?
1: Yeah, so not top secret, but definitely still complicated. One of the things that happened right after the hackathon is that we had a, a very quick post notes meeting with our hack team. And I won't speak for Allison or Kristen, but boy, boy I came away from that spinning with next steps. So clearly... Some next steps are going to involve the people in our world who are technologically savvy and who understand how to build technology based applications for usage in the practical world. Now, we were given a terrific start by the folks at the hackathon, like uh, Krista and Allison had said, self identified geeks and nerds for whom their day jobs are programming and coding and application and design of, of software. So these guys have given us a tremendous launch into next steps. And then the last mile solution that is much more boots on the ground. One of the lovely things about the people who put together that solution is that they were, in fact, people, say for one, who are in our community. So we had uh, people who are transportation experts and who already are providing transportation in the community come up with this. We had people who have access to funding and to software design in this, and we have identified, we believe, the organization that can actually admin this particular solution. This uh, organization, which is I I won't say top secret, that makes it sound different than it really is. But of course, we don't want to make assumptions about an organization before they've been asked. So we'll we'll keep that on the backside for now. We actually feel as though we have a transportation organization in community who could, in fact, shepherd this boots on the ground solution. So some of the next steps include, quite frankly, hacking the solutions again to figure out how we're going to implement these next steps. We are well supported uh, by our hack consultant Laura Horak and Mike Caprio. These are two really really brilliant people who understand some of the language that That I don't necessarily speak. Um, And then I think the nonprofit world, uh, Nance, the nonprofit alliance of Northeastern Connecticut will also need to own some of these solutions and how we're going to move them forward. And I know for a fact that Allison, Kristen and Kathleen, myself, our sleeves are still rolled up. We are not done. We know that what happens next uh, is also ours to work on.
2: As we said at the top of this, you know, this has been an age-old problem. You've taken a radical approach and a radical step to try and solve it. But of course, the final question is simply this. When do you hope to have some of these solutions actually happening? Because time is of the essence, can't solve these problems overnight. But what's your timeline to at least try to get some of these things going?
1: But well, I think that it's certainly in the next in the short term. And by that I mean the next couple of weeks. The hack team will meet to do a deeper dive into the solutions themselves and maybe actually try to attach some tasks to people. So who will do this and who will do this? Who will they do that by? We also need to remember to reach out to the Connecticut Project. Allison mentioned them as our funder. And one of the wonderful things about the Connecticut Project, they're a newer funder in the state, is that their mission around funding is really innovative solutions. So we're hoping that they are also going to be part of our next steps in terms of helping us to formulate them and potentially even funding them. One of their staff members, Jonathan Cabron, was with us the entire weekend helping to hack up solutions. He was a mentor. So the Connecticut project has been with us all along. And then after the next, let's say, short-term couple of weeks, I think that there'll be a period of time, maybe a six-month period, where the tasks that have been assigned are being worked on by the people who have been given them. So I, I would hope that somewhere in let's say mid 2024, maybe spring of 2024, we actually can talk about some real honest to goodness solutions. Alison, does that resonate for you in terms of a timeline? I admit that I just made
3: that up. I'm with you there, Kathleen. That, That was about what I had in my brain as well.
1: Exactly.
0: We're all on the same page, I believe. And I think our hackers are on the same page as well. My phone has been blowing up over the past three days with them coming up with even more ideas to fully implement some of these projects. So I think they'd like us to move the timeline along as well.
1: And Brian, if if I may, one of the, the things that I did not understand going back to expectations and ahas is that because of the use of GitHub, uh, something I've never heard of, and the concept of open source platforms for information, something else I had never heard of. It was pointed out in a rather joyful and, and, and celebratory way that Eastern Connecticut could become the center of transportation solutions, let's just say in Southern New England, that because we started this, because we did this, And because this information doesn't go away and it becomes available, people from all over the world can use our data, use our solutions, and contribute to our data and our solutions. So this is ongoing, and that's kind of mind-boggling, and it it definitely impacts what happens next in a way, for example, that I can't even begin to answer. So certainly a short-term next step is going to be to find that person who can help us navigate some of this intense technology.
2: Well, it's been great talking to the three of you. Huge congratulations on this massive, great big project that uh, you all have undertaken and continue to push forward. You know how much and how essential this all is. We'll be looking forward to catching up with you next year to find out you know, how some of these solutions actually are put into practice. But in the meantime, Kathleen Kreider of Access Community Action Agency, Kristen Hempel of EastCon, and Alison Hennigan of Generations Family Health Centre. Thank you ever so much for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian.
2: And you can find out more details about HackCT and what they're doing at their website, hackct.org. Hello?
3: I thought
1: you were coming. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. The flu? Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: Grandma's about to crowd surf. Man, I'll call you back.
1: Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org.
3: Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council.
1: It's hurricane season, and your trees can be damaged by high winds. Green Valley Tree has you covered with our emergency tree service outside of our regular business hours. We offer emergency tree service by bucket, crane, and climbing for residential, commercial, and even municipalities across eastern Connecticut. From full tree removals, uprooted, or broken trees, to broken, hung up, or fractured tree limbs. Call our emergency hotline on 860-966-5710 or visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com.
2: Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week. Governor Lamont and the state's comptroller Sean Scanlon unveiled a new free drug discount card program recently that will help every resident in the state get cheaper prescription drugs starting October 2nd. The new card is called Array RX and is available online for people's smartphones and will be accepted by 98% of the state's pharmacies and Scanlon says has many benefits. Right now, based on what's happening in the three states that so far have started to do the ArrayRx program that we are joining as the fourth state, the average person is seeing an 80% savings on the generic drugs that they use and 20% savings on the brand name drugs that they use. That is obviously significant savings at a time when the cost of drugs are skyrocketing for the average person. The new discount card is part of wider legislation signed into law by Governor Lamont this year called the Public Act 23171, an act protecting patients and prohibiting unnecessary health care costs. Governor Lamont helped launch the new card and said it's just the beginning as he looks to bring on other states to the program. We're a small state, just like their are small businesses. I'm trying to work with other states right now, meeting with them, seeing that if I can get them to join on this discount card with us, uh, help them uh, join in what we're doing in terms of uh, negotiating Medicare prices. We are so much more impactful when we work together, and uh, we're making a start. Connecticut has become the fourth state to sign up with Array Rx. Other states include Nevada, Oregon and Washington. The new discount card cannot be used in conjunction with someone's health insurance and is aimed at those with high policy deductibles, those who are uninsured or undocumented, and seniors on Medicare. Residents in Connecticut can apply for the new discount card by going to the website arrayrx.com. That's A-R-R-A-Y-R-X card.com. The City of New London is set to replace lead water lines at residents' houses throughout the city at a cost of $36 million. Joe lanza is the Director of Public Utilities for New London and says the reason they're doing this is for public health.
3: EPA has now issued guidance on what is, is coming in the future. We believe that where it's headed is all lead service lines will ultimately need to be removed. city wants to be proactive in that process, and uh, we're trying to stay ahead of the curve and, and actually remove all the lead service lines before it becomes an
2: issue. The city has identified over 3,000 properties that have lead service lines and says the replacement programme will be done in phases and could take up to three years to complete. Lanzafami says people don't have to have their pipes replaced, but it could have a negative effect not only on their future health, but when they come to sell their houses.
3: So there's no requirement that citizens participate in the programme. However, there will be a public-facing website in the future that will indicate what the service line material is at your location. So it would be a good idea to remove it now if you could. It would be best to do it now.
2: The cost to homeowners to have their lead pipes replaced is free, and the money for the project is coming from a mixture of federal ARPA funds and state-bonded loans. The EPA has estimated there are between 6 to 10 million lead service lines in the nation and particles from these pipes pose a significant health risk. And in the day this week, hundreds of revved up union members from across the east coast gathered near the gateway terminal entrance of State Pier in New London to protest what they claim is an effort to prevent members from working key offshore wind jobs at the pier here and across the globe. International Longshoremen Association members were joined by dock workers from several brother organizations. ILA officials said they've been at loggerheads with Ørsted, the Danish offshore wind company, working to create massive wind farms over who should be operating specialized crane and cargo transporting equipment to move massive turbine components along pier staging areas. Austed officials framed the dispute as one between two unions. <laughs>